Breaking news. The Dallas Mavericks have traded for Rockets big man Christian Wood in a deal that involves Boban Marjanovic and other Dallas assets. Boban is hopeful he will get to continue his career of being the most famous player that gets absolutely no minutes. Who knows? With his fresh start in Houston, he may get another chance to be murdered by John Wick again. Folks, this is Hoop Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hoop Show. This is episode 11, I think. I'm pretty sure it's 11. I don't know if you guys have noticed so far, this is a new microphone. I posted about it on the Hoop Show socials. Um, you guys saw the old mic, and you heard it and saw how not good it was. So I hope I hope this one sounds better. I think it does. Um, if you think it does, let me know. If you don't, also let me know, I guess. Um, either way, new microphone, same old Hoop Show, though. Um, the benefit of waiting, I was I was going to record this episode a couple days ago, I guess like the day after the game, and that's normally what I do, and then I wait to release it closer to the time of the next one. Excuse me. Um, I don't know if you can hear it on that one. I don't know. I think it was, I think this one, this makes a little bit more sensitive, or I think I, I think I have the sensitivity turned up on it, so who knows, but it may have also... Yeah, I, I don't know, it could have been some weird microphone stuff where I got away from the camera, or not camera, microphone itself, and uh, you didn't hear it because I was, like, too far away from it. Who knows? I don't know. I think it's cool. It looks cool. It looks professional. But um, the benefit of waiting for those extra couple days for this to come in um, was that I just, about 30 minutes ago, got the notification that Christian Wood has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. So... That's where I was going to start off with Game 5, but we are going to start off with a little bit of talk about that. Um, for the Mavericks, uh, th- well, we can briefly mention, I don't know if you can hear that mic- that, uh, that motorcycle out there. I hope the microphone is so good that it knows what not to pick up. We'll see. But um, So for Houston, I'll talk about more about Dallas, but I just want to briefly mention Houston here. Uh, they're trying to get worse, right? Uh, Christian Wood was a good player for them. He was injured a lot this past season, and I don't know, he couldn't will them. Even if he was healthy, that Houston team was really bad. I mean, they were intentionally tanking, and they got the third pick, so it worked. But Houston is trying to be bad, and so they're getting rid of probably, some will say arguably, I'm going to say just their best player, uh, for basically nothing. I think it was Boban, uh, Marquise Chris, Sterling Brown, and I think a first-round pick. So the first-round pick is probably the most valuable thing they got out of them. But um, I, what I thought was interesting was there's been a lot of talk. Uh, I'll do probably another draft episode uh, pretty soon after the finals. Um, but there's been lots of draft talk about um, Paolo Bancaro going number three. It's pretty consensus that it's going to be uh, Jabari and Chet. Jabari going number one to the Magic, and then Chet going to the Thunder. Pretty consensus. You, that's like the general feel you're getting. Uh, it could obviously be different, but that's kind of how things are shaking out right now. Um, so, so that leaves Paolo Bancaro going to the Houston Rockets at number three. And 
Uh, he plays power forward, or he'll probably play some variation of small forward, power forward, more power forward, I would imagine. He's pretty uh, hefty, you know, not, I'm not gonna, I don't mean that in like a bad way. I mean, like, he has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of weight to throw around in, in a good way, you know. He needs to play a, a bigger position. And he, like, measured, like, 6'10 and three quarters without shoes on at the combine or something, I want to say. So, Paolo's a big guy. And he plays a the same position as Christian Wood, who they just traded away. And so a lot of these draft talks, I hadn't really considered it until the Rockets had made this trade, but they were trading Christian Wood away probably to set up whoever they get because that's going to be the big man of the future for them, whoever it is, whether it's Jabari, Chet, or Paolo, which a lot of people think it's going to be Paolo, and I'm probably of the same opinion of that. Um that's good. That that leaves sets him up for the future because Christian Wood is on. He's not a old player, but he's about time. I think I don't know what his contract situation is. He might be about time to uh, re up on that, and you know, maybe Houston doesn't want to build around him for their future because they are trying to go ultra young, and maybe Jalen Green and Paolo Bancaro is kind of the future. Uh, whatever they're. Their future is going to be, I think they're probably going to base it around those two players or whoever they draft. I'm just assuming it's Paolo. <coughs> um, so, yeah, I definitely, I like this. People, I like the trade for the Rockets, even though um, they don't, they gave up a lot to not get a whole lot back for, I joked about it in the intro, but I'm kind of serious. It's like, Bobon's still probably not going to get many minutes. Um, he'll probably play more. But not a lot, because, I mean, it, they're trying to go young, and he's an old big guy, so they need to give more minutes to Shingun. They better not play ball on too many minutes and <laughs> not let Al P get some, get some run. But um, So, yeah, I still like this move for the Rockets. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, they got fleeced, they got fleeced. Well, duh, they're trying to – I don't know if you've been paying attention. The Rockets are trying to suck, and they're actively getting worse so they can continue to get top picks. So they continue to build their young guys through the draft. And, yeah, it's that's what they're planning to do. It's not like they were trying to get, you know, some superstar in free agency and move on up, move, make a lateral or a, make an upward move. They're like, no, we're probably trying to make either a lateral move or a downward spiral, right? So, anyway, that's what I have to say about Houston. Uh, the more intriguing part is Dallas. Uh, this is going to make Dallas a lot better. Because ultimately, they did not give up a lot. They gave up a few players. They were uh, not going to play anyway, right? Like Boban and Marquise Chris and Sterling Brown. Those guys were not in the rotation. Boban, maybe slightly, but I don't even remember. I can't remember a moment during the playoffs where he was playing. Um, definitely not during the regular season. So maybe I'm, I, I, I'm, I think I'm wrong on that. Boban was not even in the rotation, so... Even what I thought, even what little bit of player playtime I thought some of these guys could have got, I don't think they have. <clears throat> um, so, what? So what this does for the Mavericks? What Christian Wood does is, uh, I, I this is not my comparison. It's what a lot of people. I I didn't get. I got the idea from them. Um, there's been a lot of people on Twitter saying this. It's um, it's. He gives you a combination of two of the two big men lineups that Dallas had. They had they started Dwight Powell, who was not a shooter, but was a pretty solid lob threat and roll guy. He could roll in the pick, uh, he could set a pick and then roll pretty well, catch a lob. He was an, ath an athlete, 
before he was anything else. Excuse me. And then for their next big man lineup, which they ended up running more, um, was Maxi Kleba. Maxi Kleba was their center for a lot of the playoffs. He played a lot more than Dwight Powell, and he had uh, some big games, uh, especially against the likes of like Phoenix. Not so much against Golden State, but he was a good player for them. He was um, he was their better big man, but he what he provided mainly was three point shooting and switchability. Christian Wood is both of those things. He is a super athlete, a freak athlete. I want to say he's probably like 6'10", maybe 6'9", I don't know. But he's tall and athletic as as ever, you know, as anyone on the planet. Can jump out of the gym. Um, and he's got a pretty good three-point shot. I don't know the percentages, <coughs> which is important. Excuse me, by the way. Um, I don't know the exact percentages. Um, but over the years, we have seen him shooting the three ball, especially... In Detroit, he really took a three-point jump leap, and he continued that on the Rockets. Um, I think that this pairing with him and Luka, uh, it makes him, he not. I don't know if it's a second star. Obviously, you're not, you're not going to get a second star uh, comparable to Luka uh, unless you, know, you pull off something wild. But this is a good upward move that changes the, the Mavericks without changes the Maverick bottom, you know, gets rid of their worst players, their uh, lesser players they're not giving minutes to, while making your top-end talent um, a lot more versatile and a lot better. Um, so I think this was a great move for the Mavericks. I don't know if it boosts them up to – it doesn't make – I mean, this isn't like one of those things where you're like immediately finals contender. They were a finals contender this year, though, with the team that they had. So you could say something similar. This makes them – they were already a – threat to make the Western Conference Finals, you could say they're a threat to win the Western Conference Finals, not just a threat to be in them. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so that's my thoughts on the Dallas-Houston trade. We'll see if it's who, who people always talk about, who wins the trade. Um, I think this is a great, it's a good move for both teams. It's a great move for the Mavericks. It's the expected, the good move for the Rockets. If anyone's a winner per se, then it's the uh, the Mavericks without a doubt. But in my opinion, it's no, it's not, there's not a, it's not a winner situation at all, but whatever. Good move for both teams. All right, let's talk about the actual basketball being played instead of hypotheticals, pick and rolls, or pick and pops. Christian Wood can do both. Um, let's talk about game five. <laughs> game five, you cannot start anywhere else. If, you, if anyone covering this game, any other random guy with a podcast out there does not mention Andrew Wiggins first, then he is doing it wrong because this was the all-star starter Wiggins. This was Wiggins. This was K-pop stands boosting his social media followers and likes so he can make the all-star starter game. That's a weird situation. I don't feel like explaining. Uh, if you know, you know. But, um... <laughs> but... Andrew Wiggins was everything uh, that All-Star starting was advertised as. Uh, he was scoring this game. He was rebounding. He was um, defending. He did everything. He didn't hit a three. Um, I think the biggest thing was, though, was we all saw Curry 
played a lackluster game. Um, this wasn't terrible, right? You can still definitely see the impact he had because of his gravity. His the his potential to start going off still makes him a threat in the ways that you know that he has even when he's making shots that only you know compounded upon each other when he's making shots, but still is there when he's not making them. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, so Curry wasn't terrible. Um, wasn't great, though. He didn't hit a three. First time, playoff career, whatever. That's kind of weird, but they still won, so I don't think he cares. Maybe a little bit inside, you're like, that sucks. But at the same time, he's like, I might win a championship. So I don't think he cares that much. But especially because Wiggins picked it up. Uh, the scoring was from everywhere, too, except from three. He also didn't hit a three, um, which is a reason the Celtics should win is because when the two best players on the Warriors – don't hit any threes. You kind of you're you're getting handed a, a platter, and they're not taking it up on it. But talk about that in a second. Um, it was like the rebounding we saw in Game Four for Wiggins, the ascension of his rebounding. We were calling him, you know, Andrew Rodman, you know, or um, Dennis Wiggins or something like that. You know, he was having. A rebounding effort, which was second to none. He was, you know, at least for by in his final standards, he was uh, going after every loose ball and every um, every rebound. You know, the actual stat he was getting. He was hustling. He was he was playing the game in a like role player, dirty, gritty type way, and it was helping the team win. He was doing that combined with the scoring of. The best, the, the best scoring of this game because that's the best his scoring has looked all playoffs. You could probably say all regular season two. He was the, the offense for them. I think he wanted, I want to say he took like 23 shots. That's like first option stuff. You don't take 23 shots if you're not the first option or at least the first slash second option, right? 1A, 1B type situation. With Curry's, you know, slumping a little bit in this game. Wiggins definitely took that 1A role for this game. Um, but this was the biggest Wiggins game you could have ever asked for. You hope he can replicate it to some degree in the next game. Um, you can't, obviously, you can't ask for a replication of it, you hope, or a duplication of it, right? You just want a, a little bit of it. You know, the rebounding, that you can ask for again. Because he's been incredible and he's done it twice now. Um, you got to ask for 10 rebounds from him, maybe. You know, I think that he's capable of that. And if the Celtics don't do their job of taking that away from him, which I don't think they can because he's just physically, more physically imposing on them, then um, I think he can do it. And I think he can really make an impact. Now, I'm going to mention this briefly. I don't, since my audience is not very big, this doesn't matter, but I don't want to fan the flames on the Steph Finals MVP talk. Um, people are saying, oh, wow, does Andrew Wiggins deserve finals MVP over Steph because of this one game? And, of course, the answer is no. <laughs> I could have been really fun in there, funny there and been like, and, of course, the answer is obviously. <laughs> but um, that would be stupid, and that would be wrong, and that is why it would be funny because, uh, no, Wiggins does not deserve the finals MVP over Steph. Um, we were all calling – we started conversations of, is Steph Curry a top ten player ever? after his performance in Game 4 
why would a 20 and 10 game from Wiggins be enough to say, oh, yeah, he's been the best player this series? No, he hasn't. What are you talking? You don't watch the you you're not watching the games with the same game I watched in game four, the one where Curry dropped 43. I wasn't like, yeah, that's cool or whatever. But um, Wiggins rebounding is better is more important. No, obviously not. No one was like we all acknowledged Wiggins rebounding and the effort he gave and how impactful he was. But none of us were like, yeah, this Curry guy. The scoring, these three-point shots going in, it's cool or whatever. Um, I'm more of a Wiggins guy, though. <laughs> Give me Wiggins. <laughs> no one was saying that. Maybe a few trolls um, who don't know what they're talking about or know what they're talking about are intentionally saying something stupid to get a reaction. So, um, Steph is still the Finals MVP if they win. Uh, it gets interesting if the Celtics win, who would be the Finals MVP. I think it's probably Jalen Brown. Um, but a lot of voters would probably just go with Jason Tatum just because he's the bigger name. But anyway, that's not important. That's not what I want to talk about. No one has won anything yet. Well, they've won three games. Warriors have. But they haven't won the championship yet, so that's not important. Excuse me. Um, also in Game 5, you got a even better version of Clay. Uh, in my last uh, episode, I said... Um, I said, you just need an average version of Clay, And you got basically the same, but a little bit more three-point shooting. And um, I would say more timely shots. Uh, the, I, there was a point in this game, I want to say, start of the third quarter, where um, the Warriors were not uh, holding up to their end of the bargain. The Celtics were doing their best to go on a little run to kind of spark some offense, to kind of spark something, maybe a comeback of sorts. Uh, or a, a, a shot to take control of the game, and Clay um, was the one that uh, stopped the bleeding. Uh, the Celtics were going on a big run, and he hit, I don't know if it was back-to-back threes, but he hit one uh, three, I think, from the top of the key that was put him back up by one, and it was pretty incredible. It, it was a good performance for him. Um, so, And you got normal levels of defense, but... I think the most important thing from Clay was the shot making um, because you weren't getting that in, especially in the early games uh, ever since, you know, I want to say, was it like game two, game three, maybe? No, it was game three. Uh, ever since they went back to Boston um, or went to Boston, um, you got a good version of Clay who was making his threes, um, not doing it so much off the dribble, like all his all the weird versions of his um, in-between game. So we got a good Clay tonight. Uh, Shout-out to the fake Clay uh, who got banned for life from Chase Center. That's hilarious. Uh, you shouldn't do that, but um, the fact that he got away with it for so long, uh, basically didn't get away with it just because he missed a layup in a layup line. Not a layup line, just by himself shooting around. Awesome. Just incredible. The, the biggest... I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say about that. Shout out to that guy. Um, another thing for the Warriors uh, was Draymond. Draymond brought the energy, set the tone, uh, the stuff you kind of say about old guys who don't do a lot on the counting stats, <laughs> was energy setting and or was bringing the energy and setting tones. Um, but his counting stats were better too. Uh, they were more along the lines of vintage, not vintage, vintage Draymond. 
Um, but, you know, a better performance, a more average performance for him. You know, a couple of rebounds, or not a couple of rebounds, uh, closer to 10 rebounds and around six, seven assists, uh, making defensive plays. I uh, wasn't getting cooked all the time by Jalen Brown. Uh, Jalen Brown really struggled this game, too. Um, so Draymond was great. Um, and then what was super important, super, super important for the Warriors was the bench play. Um, you got Jordan Poole, who has become the vibe shifter. I tweeted out uh, vibe should be recorded and tracked as an advanced stat, and I believe that because Jordan Poole is clearly the uh, it would be the MVP of the same things people say about Jokic. How, you know, he's like, oh, he's just an advanced stat guy. People would be saying that about Jordan Poole if Vibes were tracked as an advanced stat because Jordan Poole is the Vibe master, the MVP, the most valuable Vibes. He, ha- he has most valuable Vibes. What can I say? Um, end of third quarter, hits that half-court shot, banks it in, uh, crowd goes crazy, go up by one, and you go into the fourth quarter, and then you just – you just lay it down, right? You you get out of there with a win. <clears throat> Crowds on your side, not on your side. Obviously, it's on your side. You're in Chase Center. You're in Golden State, but you get the loudness of it. Really, you know, sets you and your team on fire. Uh, pulls the MVP or MV MV MVV most valuable vibes. Um, and then Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Is every single game he's played in has been a defensive impact. Um, he was, um, he's always been a defender. I mean, he's Gary Payton the second, you know, it's in the name. But what was great about him tonight was the offense. Uh, he, I don't know if he hit two threes, but I remember him hitting a corner three at one point. And they're playing Gary Payton like Draymond almost, like he can't shoot. And it's like, he can shoot a little bit. He's not He's not Draymond. He's a guard. You know, he practices these things. But Gary Payton, he had like 15 points. When you normally, excuse me, uh, normally don't expect to get six out of him. You know, you, the average offensive game for him is like a lob or a dunk in transition, and that's it. Um, you got 15 out of him, uh, which is really great. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year. Poole was good. Poole, I just, I really do believe, like, the energy he brings is more important sometimes than the shot-making because his shot-making was okay at times. He did have a couple of those, like, step-back three. We had one of those that went, that just airballed, and he did, you know, he made some meme reaction and whatever. Um, but Gary Payton was the sixth man of the year for them. Um, a lot of those things going right uh, definitely means... Uh, the Warriors have a great chance of winning, even with Curry uh, playing not up to standards. <sighs> I think I said in a previous episode that my standard for him was like 30 points because of how great he has been. Um, he didn't play up to that standard at all. Um, obviously, with the three-point shooting, it was not going well, uh, but he still had an impact. Uh, I don't. I would not expect that to happen in Game 6. I would expect more of a standard game. Uh, obviously, game six clay, uh, that could happen. <clears throat> the Celtics could be victim to game six clay, which wouldn't be good for the Celtics. If you run into a iconic game six for the for for clay, then the Celtics might be they might be done. Um, 
But that's I'll, I'll get further into a prediction after I talk about the Celtics. So let's do that. So the Celtics overall, they couldn't finish their plays. Um, they were getting to the basket sometimes, just missing layups, uh, missing threes. Um, in the fourth quarter, they just fell apart. Uh, there was a, It was a defensive master class from the likes of Draymond, Wiggins, and Looney at times. He was still having trouble staying in the game because he had lots of foul trouble. So did Draymond. But um, the defensive impact from those three was uh, palpable, to say. Um, I've had a weird experience watching these. I've, whenever I'm watching the game, I don't feel like Tatum is playing terrible. Um, like... You see him, I see him hit three sometimes. Uh, he'll hit a tough shot, and I'll say, that, he's playing okay. Uh, and then I go onto social media or something, and all the memes are like, Jason Tatum is not him. You know, put on the back of his jersey, not him, zero. You know, like, I don't get, I don't get why people are so upset with Tatum. I know, I know, I know, the turnovers are a big issue. Um, that is not what I see. Right, like, I, I definitely, or no, I should phrase that differently. I see the turnovers, I acknowledge the turnovers, uh, I see them, I acknowledge you, the turnovers, but I don't, um, you know, I, I don't say that they're not bad, but it's the turnovers are not just Jason Tatum. Like, the Celtics as a whole can't dribble. That's like a meme with Jalen Brown that he can't dribble, you know, and also of Tatum, uh, He's attacking the basket, um, but he's not finishing, right? Or he's not always attacking the basket either. When he does get, when he does attack there, he's not always getting there because he's flailing, and sometimes he'll give up halfway and do, um, you know, some short, short mid-range or short shot, and it's not getting to the basket. It's getting close to it, <laughs> and that's not always what you want. You want to get right to it, um, especially when you're as big as Jason Tatum is. Um, Jalen Brown, I think, I think I alluded to it a little bit earlier in this episode. Uh, I think he is the finals MVP for the Celtics if they end up winning. Um, that is, of course, if he plays good in the next two games for them, or at least not terrible. Um, he has been the MVP for them for these, uh, five games so far. And the thing with him is he needs to find consistency. We all know this about him. He's not, he, in these finals games he hasn't been consistent at all every game is a different experience but not just every game every quarter is a different experience for him you get one moment not even a quarter you get a different three minutes from him <laughs> you never get just a solid steady performance out of Jalen Brown um, it's always I'm scorching the earth with threes and dunking on you or uh, turnover or and um, I'm giving up to you know uh, I don't know I'm giving up to, to complain about the foul call with Smart. He doesn't do it that often. He's not the worst of them all, uh, of the Celtics that does that, but definitely needs to be more consistent. Um, he needs to he needs to be more impactful for long, or he needs to be impactful for longer. Um, if you get a little bit more consistency and steadiness, then you won't need him to scorch earth for five straight plays, you know? Hopefully you get steadiness and then scorch earth the last, you know, in the fourth quarter. Or you won't need the scorched earth, scorched earth, skirt, 
Let me start over. Scorched earth in the fourth quarter, you wouldn't need it if he just played consistent and they had a better chance of winning. Um, besides Tatum and, and Brown, the Jays, um, the big thing to me was the bench scoring was non-existent. Um, Derek White had one point. Derek White had one point. He was Derek White did not come to this team expecting to be a scorer, I don't imagine, and I don't think the Celtics traded for him to be a scorer. But in these playoffs, in these finals, uh, he has had moments um, where he has 10-plus multiple games at a time, hits multiple threes. Uh, one point is not great, not ideal at all for the Celtics. Um, the bench scoring, I said it before, uh, it was non-existent. No Derek White, Grant Williams wasn't an impact. I was watching this game, and it felt like he wasn't out there sometimes except to do uh, his best Draymond impression, which isn't even a good one. It's just, it, I don't even know. It's not, Grant Williams needs to chill out sometimes. Uh, but he his, his impact on the actual court, rather than the antics surrounding it, was not felt. And no Peyton Pritchard. Pritchard was non-existent. He, it, didn't, it felt like he was also not on the court, except to get abused a little bit on defense, except he didn't even do that. It was net zero again from him. Um, Marcus Smart had a good game. I wouldn't say a great game, but uh, what I wrote here was Marcus Smart was a pain in the butt to both teams um, because he was really good sometimes on offense of hitting a three or he's done this great job of being able to beat his initial defender out on the perimeter and then getting to the basket and not doing like a layup but doing the thing Jason Tatum was doing like where he'll get like a you know a he'll get close to the basket and then do like a like five foot fadeaway. Marcus Smart is fantastic at those. Like if you could combine the skill from that and put it onto Jason Tatum, it'd be incredible. But um, Marcus Smart, uh, he was good, uh, not incredible. Like right, I think he had like eighteen points. I want to say. Um, so Marcus Smart, he was good, but it was just like the antics of it all was a little much. Like, I I always, I don't know, I've had, like, an understanding of it, right? Like, an understanding of the antics you have to do, of the foul drawing, the foul baiting. When you're a defender, you're trying to get them to do an offensive foul. Draymond may know this better than anyone, um, but the egregiousness of what Marcus Smart does is a little painful to watch sometimes, like, Someone will be running a pick and roll and they'll like he'll get his shoulder brushed and he will like start pirouetting, doing three sixties, acting like he's like a ballet on ice, you know. He's an ice skater and it just and then falls to the ground, gets and then instead of like acting like he's injured sometimes, he'll just get right back up. Like it's shameless. Like you'll fall down like you were shot multiple times by a sniper and then in the same motion that you fall down in, you like do like a ninja kick roll back up <laughs> and it's so bad and it's bad for, I think, basketball a little bit because it's a little it's a little frustrating to watch. Um, I'm not typically I'm not one of these guys. that's like, man, this basketball game, it, these, you know, they're 
all these floppers. They're just making the game bad. Because one of my favorite players, uh, Jalen Williams, uh, uh, you know, all-time charge drawer, <laughs> drawer, and, um, you know, I don't think, but he didn't do the antics of it, right? Like, what Marcus Smart does is so much different because of all the all the little things. You just have to, all the nuances of his uh, flopping. <laughs> just make it a little bit more, a little bit tougher to take whenever he does it. Um, so... The Warriors are one win away. The Celtics are two. It all comes down basically to game six for the Celtics, obviously. Many are saying that game six is a must win for the Celtics. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I really think, in the honest opinion here, the Celtics have to win game six. <laughs> yeah, or else they lose. Um, <laughs> uh, but for the Celtics to save their season, uh, win game six, Take it back to Chase Center. I think, overall, Tatum has to drive aggressively. I think it has to start with that. Um, you could, uh, if you got one of those iconic Jason Tatum games, like he had in Game 6 in Boston, or not Boston, in Milwaukee, um, when they were on the road and he had, I want to say, I don't even know what the number was. I think it was like 49 or something like that, 43, 45, something, upper 40s. And he was going shot for shot with Giannis, and it was we were watching one of the best games ever, you know, or what felt like it to me. Um, if you get one of those games, that'd be ideal. That would be great. Um, but I think what's realistic to um, want from him uh, to expect him to get better at in this next game um, was driving aggressively, um, looking to finish plays at the basket, not always looking to dry foul fully in his arms. Excuse me. Um, and make plays of the basket. Get to get to underneath the rim and see who is open underneath because someone, if Jason Tatum's got to the rim, someone, I guarantee it, is doubling down low to try and stop him. To, to help The help defenses has to come over at some point for him. Um, so if you're Jason Tatum, know that. Look for it. Look for it when you drive and look to drive with purpose. You know, purposefully drive. Don't just get there and say, oh, I'm going to figure it out when I get up there. When you start driving, know whether you're going to go for it or whether you're going to make the pass. Um, just be aggressive. Be, you know, make decisions. And that would help Jason Tatum's game a lot, and I think that would help the Celtics a lot. Uh, Jalen Brown, all I just ask for is efficiency, please. Um, please be efficient. Please be consistent. Um, and then you'll give you yourself a better chance of winning. Uh, need someone off the bench. It doesn't even have to be Derek White. It could be Grant Williams, like it was in Game 7 of that Milwaukee series. And Grant Williams, you know, he could have his, like, 4-3 game or something. That would be great for the Celtics. Um, or Derek White, or Peyton Pritchard, or, like, a combo of two. Probably not three. You're not probably not getting great games from all three. If you do, you're, like, blowing the Warriors out. Especially with if you get those versions of Tatum and Brown, too. Um, but you need... Someone, someone off the bench has to be good. Um, and better big play from Robert Williams and Horford. Uh, I haven't talked about them much in this, uh, this episode, but uh, Horford was like a non-factor in last game. Like, I don't remember him explicitly being terrible or bad or anything, but it was just easy to forget about him. It was just easy to just keep on watching and be like, oh, Horford's here. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Um, not 
not feeling his impact like oh there's a Horford three or something it just felt like he wasn't doing much same can be said for Robert Williams in my opinion I know he has a couple moments every once in a while um, and like I've said I think every episode of this podcast in history uh, Robert Williams is still injured uh, he's still hurt um, he's having like these these small like l- he has to be on the injury list every single game but then switch from questionable to available every single game. Um, so if you can get better play out of those guys, I know it's hard because Horford's old and Robert is hurt, um, then that'd be great. Uh, if you could get a big guy play from Grant, uh, that'd be cool, but he hasn't shown up this whole series, so I'm not really expecting him to now. Um, so I think I think those four things are the most important things. Uh, if you could get like two to three of those, then I think you can win. If Tatum is good, Jalen is good, and you get bench scoring, you're solid. You'll probably win. Four of them, I won't say it's a guarantee, but it gives you a much better chance. Um, so for the Warriors to stomp on the Celtics' hopes of bringing in the new title and consequently lighting a fire underneath Tatum and Brown and where they dominate the East for the next however many years, um, the Warriors, for them to do that and win Game 6 and consequently the championship, or subsequently, not consequently, subsequently the championship, um, I think they have to do a couple of things, or a few things. Uh, first, uh, as always, except for this game, or for Game 5, it has to start with Curry. Um, it would need a normal game out of him, right? Like, this game was kind of not a fluke for the Warriors role players, but... Um, role players play worse at, on the road. <laughs> if they play better on at play better at home, then role players. If the opposite of that, the yin and yang of it is that role players play worse on the road. So uh, you can't rely on Gary Payton having 15, or even Andrew Wiggins uh, having like 26 and 11. You know, <clears throat> um, so you need Curry to have like a normal 30 point game. Um, where his gravity effect is still in play. Um, so that's where it needs to start, Curry. Uh, Curry having a good game. And then another average clay game. I am not asking um, fantasticness. I am not asking for iconicness from clay. Even with game six being his iconic, the moments we, you know, the meme of it all where it's like game six clay is the best player alive, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, one moment. I'm going to get a drink of water. I don't know if you can hear that. You can probably hear the ice shaking on it now. Um, I think I'm losing my voice a little bit. That's not good. Um, but I'm not asking for the iconicness of Game 6 Clay. I'm just asking for 18 points, 3 to 4 to 5 threes, somewhere in there, and good, good to okay defense. Um, that would be getting a bad version of Clay would suck, but the Warriors have. Um, weathered that storm before, but to give them the best chance at winning, you want a better version of Clay. You want average to game six, somewhere in that range. You don't want below average. Um, you need Wiggins to continue. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Wiggins is the second best player in these uh, for the Warriors in these finals, probably in these playoffs as a whole too. So you need him to replicate to a degree his performance in game five. Um, 
you don't need as much scoring. If you got like a C tier version of that game where he has like 15 points and 12 rebounds, that would be a good, um, especially if Curry's going off. But obviously, you want you want just game five from him, but that's not realistic to expect. So I think um, at what you could ask of him to definitely do is say 15 and 12, 15 and 12. I think that's um, something over the last few games he's proven he is capable of. Uh, definitely the 15 points part. Uh, and the 12 rebounds. He should get double-digit rebounds. Easy. Um, so, and then Draymond, uh, he has been up and down, uh, more down than up, but up here recently uh, was um, Game 5, as, as well as Game 4, uh, I think. There, I think it was Game 4, uh, where he looked a little bit better, where he looked, more, you know, not as unplayable. Um Game five, though, he looked very much playable. He was a positive on the floor, I'm pretty sure, uh, and his plus-minus. So I think you get a similar version to that uh, if he's not, you know, the the fraud. <laughs> Fraudmon dream. Podmon. I love that. It's uncreative. It's not It's not smart, but calling him Podmon, it just makes him sound like a Pokemon, right? Or Podmon sounds like the off-brand version of Pokemon that a... Uh, network TV show talks about, like, how, um, Victorious had, like, pair phones instead of Apple phones, uh, there's gonna be some kid on TV who's like, Mom, look, I have my favorite Podmon, <laughs> and it's, that's besides the point, that's, that's silly and stupid, but, um, <laughs> um, you need a version of Draymond that's good, um, and then hopefully we get maybe the best podcast ever recorded after game six if they win the championship. Now, that's a question. That's a real question I have is, does Draymond celebrate the win with his with his boys all night long? You know, does he, you know, uh, they win the championship, they go out on the town, they hit Boston, they're getting, they're getting you know, sloshed on some champagne, they're going crazy, they're partying. Or... Does he record the funniest episode ever? They just say, does he get like do the initial like put on the the uh, alcohol goggles and they fire all the champagne in the locker room? Everyone's going crazy, and then um, after that he's like, well, time to shower up, boys. I have a pod to record. <laughs> I gotta get home and get to this pod immediately. Um, and personally, I would do that. <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't. I would definitely do the first option if I was in Draymond's position, but I really want to see what the pod, what happens with his podcast if they win the championship. When is that episode coming out? Is he gonna have? Is he gonna have the Larry O'Brien Trophy in the podcast episode? Now that would be transformative. No, that would that would be incredible. As he says, absolutely incredible. That's his favorite line. If you haven't listened, um, so ultimately though, for this upcoming game six. I made the prediction at the start of this series that the Warriors would win in six or seven. And folks, I am not switching up now. Warriors in six. The Warriors win game six. Um, and subsequently the championship resulting in the funniest podcast episode ever from Draymond and Steph wins finals MVP, even though it's not unanimous because Brian Windhorst votes for Andrew Wiggins because he thinks him as like a 
of a salary guy instead of like um, an actual player. He's like, oh, the checkbooks won, <laughs> which is the most insane take, by the way. It, ridiculous that he said that. Um, anyway, um, I think that is all I have for this episode. A bit of a longer one because I had to include a little bit of the uh, the Dallas Mavericks Houston talk at the beginning, but a good chance for me to test out the old the old new mic and um hopefully you know it works hopefully it's all good hopefully it's a better listening experience i didn't blow that much of a bag on it um it's still it was the expenses are out of the roof i am not making money <laughs> we need we have not seen revenue on this um this little endeavor but on this hoop show adventure but uh hope you guys enjoyed this episode this is episode 11. This is, I'm recording this uh, the day before game six, uh, around 9.30 p.m., late night, late, kind of a late night episode. Depends on uh, how late you go to bed, <laughs> how early you go to bed, I guess. Um, but um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, check out uh, all the episodes, or not all the episodes, all the places uh, Hoop Show is available. Follow the social medias. Um Follow me on or follow it on Twitter at hoops underscore show uh, at and then on Instagram uh, at hoops underscore show underscore pod. Um, I'm posting all updates uh, to the show there. Uh, all any other news uh, on Twitter. I'm you know tweeting out. I, I'm not live tweeting games, but I'm a little. I'm live tweeting a little bit. You know what? What can I say? I'm a live tweeter now. Now that I have a, a hoop show account to tweet it from. Um, Check us out on all the pot on the all the places we're available. Uh, check out the links on those socials on the bios. That'll take you all the places: Apple, Google, Spotify. We're everywhere, folks. Hoop Show is worldwide. Worldwide Hoop Show um, coming at you. Um, I think that's all I have. Uh, like and follow. I guess follow it on wherever. Follow it on every single platform. Give us a like. Rate it on every single platform too. That'd be cool. Even if you don't listen to it, that'd be cool. My, I don't know. I I think I said this last episode. I don't know if that boosts like the popularity of the show, but it makes me feel good if I go in and see like who's listening on Google Podcasts. And it's like, oh wow, I got five stars. Cool. <laughs> but um, anyway, that is all I have. Um, peace off. Peace. I did it again. I did it again. Signing out. Peace off. Pe- see you, folks. <laughs>